Ladies and gentlemen, this evening's performance of The Diz Explorers will begin in two minutes. Excellent listening locations are still available all around Showcase Promenade. Due to the use of alcohol and opinions around the lagoon, for your safety, we request that you remain on the promenade side of all railings. During the show, please watch your step and take small children firmly by the hand. Once again, this evening's performance of The Diz Explorers will begin in just two minutes. Thank you. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another Diz Explorers mini-sode. This week, we are doing another round of Junior Explorers, and the Junior Explorer with me is my younger brother, CJ. Hi, how you doing? Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, uh, CJ has a little bit of a unique experience with Disneyland, because he went to college, what, five miles away? Yep, Chapman University. Uh, I would say go Panthers, but nobody really cares about that, even <laughs> at the school. Nobody went to the games. But yeah, um, Orange County area, so about five miles from Disneyland. So I was an annual pass holder for two of my four years there, something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, so we didn't grow up going to the Disney parks regularly, but now that we're young adults, I think we ha we're pretty well-versed. So uh, since we're both millennials, what we thought we'd talk about today is kind of the IP or intellectual property trend that's going on in the parks right now versus the addition of more generic theming, like in Adventureland or Main Street USA, because it seems like millennials get blamed a lot for why Disney is doing this. So my first question to you is, what do you think of this trend of IP theming versus something more generic? Well, I mean, I have mixed feelings on it. Uh, where I would the starting point I would say though is I think the idea of representing their movies in the park makes sense. Like I'm trying to think back in in the 1950s, was there this massive outrage that Pinocchio was in the park? Yeah, um, things like that and Bambi. You know, I mean, there's no Bambi ride in the park. I, I guess, but unless you count the Frontierland shooting. Oh my god. <laughs> no, but I mean, so I think. That it, um, you know, to an extent, it's, you know, one of, if you look at the highest grossing movies of all time, these, all these superhero movies are high up there. So I think that you have to have a presence of it to an extent. And I think that's consistent with the history of the park. Mm -hmm. um, but there is a question of can it go too far? And where I think it might go too far is uh, the Tower of Terror. I think that the Tower of Terror was kind of a pillar. And kind of one of their landmark trademark rides, I would put it up there, honestly, kind of with the Haunted Mansion. And you can argue that losing that may turn it all into a cross-promotion kind of thing. So I, I have mixed feelings on it. Um, but to kind of summarize my little rant here, I would say <laughs> that there should be a presence of it. But I guess the question is, to what extent? So for you, do you think there's a difference between attractions that are IPs versus a whole land? Because I really don't mind... Personally, for me, the idea of a ride, because to your point from the beginning, Snow White, Pinocchio, Alice, those are all attractions based on intellectual property. But the new trend that we're seeing is something like Toy Story Land and Star Wars Land, right? Because previously there haven't been lands dedicated to an individual franchise. And it's a little bit more limited in storytelling because I just 
for me, I think about Fantasyland. It's every fairy tale can fit there. Versus Toy Story Land, it's one franchise. So my, that's my perspective. How do you feel about an IP attraction versus land? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think that you run the risk to your point of saturation. Mm-hmm. When you take it, uh, for example, Adventureland, the idea is just like, ooh, this is an exotic location. And then they found a way to work Indiana Jones in. Yeah. Rather than... Indiana Jones going, where can we make it fit? The idea was just this loose idea of an exotic kind of place. And I think that what they should do is they should base the lands around, you know, unique ideas and things like that and work the movies into them. Mm-hmm. And like a, an example of that is kind of the Haunted Mansion was, you know, a, a pillar of Disney, this really unique thing that took on a life of its own, no pun intended. And then they, oh my God. Um, but that, and then they tried to make a movie with it, and it was one of the worst movies I think I've ever seen. <laughs> For some reason, they chose Eddie Murphy. I guess the, the daddy daycare bucks uh, weren't rolling in the way he thought. Um, no, but I mean, I keep going off on these tangents. <laughs> That's what we do at the Disney Okay, so I tangents. fit right in. Perfect. <laughs> no, but I think that they should keep the. The, uh, to your point, the idea is vague and then they can work something in it. Like, for example, there, there's no ride or there's no movie, I should say, with uh, the Thunder Mountain Railroad. Yeah. But they could with that rather than have it making it uh, themed after the prospector from Toy Story 2. So, do you know what I mean by that? Like, they should keep the theming to something unique and then find ways to incorporate that in after the unique thing. When you make a Star Wars land, you make a Toy Story land. I know those are iconic movies, iconic characters, but you're kind of putting yourself into a creative box. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you think it's fair that people blame millennials for this? Because I've read some articles talking about this trend, and what people say is, millennials are coming to the parks because of these huge movies and they don't care about the generic theming anymore. That's not what draws us. And we're both millennials. So I personally don't think that's true. But is that what you think? Are you drawn into Disney because of these big movies? Or are you just as interested in the the non-IP things? I have mixed feelings on that. Uh, I think that it's safe to assume that these lands do draw in people that might not necessarily go and the reason i'm basing that off of is discussions you and i have and i doubt we're the only ones that are going to a disney park and our thought process is we can't go right after star wars lands open because it's going to be a madhouse yeah so i think to that extent just you know the numbers don't lie uh that's drawing people in yeah but i think that at some point there's going to be a saturation point uh you know i i know that solo a star wars story kind of i shouldn't say bombed but didn't live up to box office expectations. Definitely, yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily a sign that interest in Star Wars is waning, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely a sign that maybe it's not exponential growth anymore. Yeah. You know, particularly with just beyond the 7, 8, 9 movies, you know, the greater universe, I guess I should say. So I think that um, overall, I think it does draw in cash, certainly short term, but I do think that they run they run the risk of oversaturating. Yeah. And and back to your question about um with its millennials. Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily a specific age group. I mean the biggest Star Wars fans by age are the people that grew up with the the Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher years in the eighties. So yeah. I don't know if it's age specific, but it, the do the franchises draw in the big bucks, so I get it to an extent. But I also think that 
you run the risk of it not being timeless. I mean, they can have that problem with the generic theming because obviously Tomorrowland doesn't quite work the same way it did in the 50s. But if you have a Toy Story Land in 50 years, are people going to care about that anymore? Or is there going to be a new Pixar series that puts that in the dust the way A Bug's Life kind of disappeared off the map after Toy Story? And, and Kevin made... Spacey's uh, Fall from Grace. Well, that is... We're not going to get into that. But <laughs> yeah, nice family podcast. I apologize. I, I wonder about <laughs> the, the timelessness of IP-specific things. But another point that I thought of, too, is I think it also depends on how it's done. I know you haven't been to Pixar Pier yet, but that's an example of that's not necessarily in a box because it's all of Pixar, but it was done so quickly and almost like half done that it doesn't really work the same way I think Star Wars Land would because it seems like that's going to be a total immersion land. Whereas Pixar Pier was almost just like repainting buildings and haphazardly putting things where they fit. So do you think that if, if an IP is done super immersively and super well, that that appeals to you more? Or is it kind of the same thing where you still feel like there's a saturation point? You know, I think that it it's hard to find the exact line. Yeah. Um, but yeah. the the idea of, into, if I could go back briefly to your first point, because I think it ties in where you talked about, is there less interest? Mm-hmm. Um, certainly... Frozen 2 is going to draw more interest to current kids than Bambi and yeah. Pinocchio did. Yeah. But these are such – and Toy Story I think is on another level of just – these are just such iconic yeah. things. Not just in Disney history but in movie history. Yeah. I mean Toy Story really is um, up there in terms of all-time classics. So I think that you have to honor that. But yeah, I think to your point it ha- it can't just be, oh, look, here's Woody mm-hmm. um, because I think that – Based on ride throughs or um, you know videos that you see, the California Screaming replacement, the Incredicoaster, mm-hmm. really looks like it's just oh look, it's the Incredibles. And rather than I think you have to take the time to work in making it fit with the land storytelling, and, right? And yeah. I so I mean I don't think it's necessarily the whole idea of immersion being the problem. Yeah, I think the problem is timing, and I think yeah. they it sounds like they rush Pixar Pier. And they are really taking their time with Star Wars Land, mm-hmm. and they bought enough space, and they negotiated with the city of Anaheim mm-hmm. to get the more space. So that feels like they're trying to do it right. So I think Pixar Pier's problem was just they rushed it. Well, and I think it's storytelling too, because it seems like Star Wars Land has an official story, right? That you're on this outpost that the rebels are hiding in, and you're on the verge of Empire territory. So there's going to be uh, I guess in some of the attractions, the decisions you make have consequences and mm-hmm. it's they're trying to make it more complicated versus just like you said in Pixar Pier, it's here's the Incredibles area, oh, here's Toy Story and there's no flow. Sure. Yeah. But my uh, my question to that is yeah. if you wanted Pixar Pier to be completely uh, immersing and things like that, yeah. does that take away from what we let off with talking about that it's – too much of focusing on the franchises rather than the unique idea of this is a California boardwalk like this, like Santa Cruz and Santa Monica. So I think Pixar Pier is a complicated one because, I mean, when California Adventure opened, it bombed. They had horrible attendance because people said there's not enough Disney. The, I know that people love, myself included, the fact that it's a celebration of California, but the numbers prove it didn't work. Okay. So gradually over time, they've been adding Disney characters. and So I totally get that. 
And Pixar Pier or Pixar is very underrepresented in the parks. And when you look at the box office, it's crazy. Same with Marvel. Why wouldn't you have it in there, sure. right? And but, Pixar in particular. Marvel, I assume, will stand the test of time. But yeah. Pixar, we already know, is right. iconic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the problem with Pixar Pier is it. Ha- I feel like it was a letdown because it had an opportunity to be more than it was. Because Pixar is such a rich world. And there are even suggestions that the worlds are kind of connected. And it just feels like it was a reskinning of an existing land, like they were afraid to make dramatic changes or didn't have time or whatever it was. So I just think with in that particular case, it's a bad example of immersing IP. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing and something California Adventure should steer away from. Sure. So in your opinion, do you think that these characters and situations like that should be, this is, I can't think of a better word to say, but kind of like segregated and isolated into specific areas for them. And the example that comes to mind is, especially because there's a waterfront there, Mm -hmm. should the Finding Nemo submarine thing be there rather than there? Should you have it spread out? How concentrated do you think these franchises and these characters should be? I don't know. Because I think when you have everybody in just one land, it, it makes it much harder to justify having generically themed areas. Right? Because if you had, let's say, a frozen land, then there's no frozen in fantasy land. So fantasy land becomes less important for the fairy tale stuff, right? You don't want to segment each one too much because the whole value of frontier land, you can have Pocahontas there, you can have Tiana there, you can have Woody and Jesse there. But there's Pixar Pier, so that's kind of my point. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I don't know that it's a good idea to have lands by franchise. I think. Pixar Pier is interesting in that you can have all kinds of Pixar characters, but I don't want it to be where that's the only place where you'd find Pixar people, right? Because then what do you do with their... If you have, this is where the Pixar people are, this is where the Marvel people are, this is where Star Wars is, then A, what do you do with the generic lands? And B, how do you justify not having every single franchise be its own space? And it makes it less cohesive. Sure. Yeah, so uh, let me ask you this also, because I think we are roughly on the same page, at least we're in the same chapter on the big picture stuff. Yeah. So what's the line for you? Like what's, it might be a specific ride, a specific land. Where do you go? This is too much. This is oversaturated. This is just cross promotion. It's losing kind of the unique magic that it might have. Is, is there a, I don't know if you have a specific answer, but yeah. is there a specific line that you have in mind? Yeah. For me, it's, it's temporary uh, overlays. Like the there's the Sunset Theater in Hollywoodland, and it used to be it was a Frozen sing along show. It was originally the Muppets 3D, and now every time there's an, a movie that comes out, it's literally just they show like a 10 minute clip of the movie. It's a giant commercial. To me, that's not storytelling. That's literally a, you're paying the price for a park ticket and then sitting to watch a commercial for something. There's no experience in that. So I think that, to me, is where it crosses the line of this isn't storytelling anymore, this isn't contributing to the park, this is purely just milking a franchise for every penny it's worth. Okay. That, that is what really bugs me. I mean, it's, it's gone now, but the A Bug's Life Theater used to close for just commercials like that. And that's a great attraction that ties to an IP that would get shut down. You know, sure. So that, that drove me crazy. Do you, I, do you have a line for, like that? Uh, I don't... I have a rough idea. It's sort of like the the like the Supreme Court decision. You know it when you see it. Kind of <laughs> honestly. Um, wow, I am really going off the rails here with the uh, uh, references. No, but I, I think that it kind of 
depends on where you're placing it. And that's yeah. really hard to define. So I'll just try to give some examples. So yeah. for example, losing a bug's land. Is anybody really shedding a tear? Like, is any does anybody really like think? Oh, Bugs Life! That that movie is my childhood. You know what I mean? Like, well, I, we do miss Heimlich's Choo Choo Train, but we will carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we were laughing at it, not with it. But uh, no, point taken. No, but I mean, so that replaced with Marvel. I get, but a kind of tipping point one for me was the Tower of Terror. Yeah, because that really was. It dominated the Orange County skyline. Yeah. It was an iconic thing. It was it tied into California, but it also was unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't necessarily mean that it had to stick with the whole Twilight Zone thing, because that was always kind of a weird reference I found. Um, but the the way that they totally turned it into a Guardians of the Galaxy thing, and I don't think they did the best job on the um, the uh, the outside of the building. I think it's a little bit of an eyesore. Yeah. So that to me was kind of because I really did view the Tower of Terror as the the landmark of California Adventure. That and Screaming and Screaming they kept for the most part the same. Yeah. So it's hard to get really mad about that. But Tower of Terror was so. I, and I I just wonder um, if the priorities of the park have changed with that. And yeah. an example I was thinking about the other day is that Splash Mountain is tied in the Song of the South. <laughs> And I really don't think they're trying to promote Song of the South. <laughs> um, but <laughs> my point being with that is they just found a, aspects of a story. They left out a lot of others for good reason. Yes. Um, that worked with that ride. And they um, and also theming with the land. So I think that the idea should be finding the movies mm-hmm. and finding out where they fit rather than looking at the park and finding in where they can fit the movies. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we're, we've talked a lot about what we don't think works, but what other examples for you are great IP immersion? Because for me, the prime example is Indiana Jones, like you said, because it, it's perfect that you're in the jungle. And to make it fit in Adventureland, they didn't have to do anything, but they did do little tweaks. They kind of changed the buildings and some of the... Uh, outposts and, and feel in that to make it set in the 1930s because that's when the Indiana Jones story for the park was set. But other than those minimal changes, it just works because it doesn't take away from the land's original theme. It adds excitement to it, I think. So other, uh, I think we both agree on that. Is yeah, another- and I think that, no, just to add to your point, and that's a um, perfect example of how it the whole Adventureland didn't turn to, into. Hey, here's Indiana Jones. It's, Here it is. It's, it's, it's kind of hidden. Indiana Jones land, yeah. right? And it's it, the entrance of it is almost hidden. It's and, totally hidden, and yeah. that fits the theming of Adventureland. Like, yeah. oh, I'm going in this mysterious cavern. Well, they took a, a specific detail because it's the only land that when you walk over the bridge, you can't see the rest of it. You have to take a sharp turn, right? And it was designed that way so that it's a mystery. You don't know what's there. Same with the Indian to get to the ride, you have to take a sharp right into the woods. You right. can't see any show building. And that ride yeah. opened in what ninety five, ninety six, something like mid mid nineties. Yeah. Um. You know, after it was clear that Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones just himself as a character were icons. Yeah. So I think that that's a perfect example of. Um. But you asked for a different one. Yeah. Is there another um, that sticks, sticks out? For you? So I think that even though the ride came first, Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, I think they did a good job of working in the movies without making it 
outrageous. And well, that's kind of the opposite, right? Is how do they incorporate the movie into the ride without killing the ride? But they didn't overdo it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Jack Sparrow isn't on the front of the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's references to him, but they kept, like, the major battle with the that big room. Yeah. Um, you just, they just have the Johnny Depp lookalike pop up. A couple of times. Yeah, yeah. and they and then at one point they say, bring me Jack Sparrow. Yeah, but yeah. the So that's an example of how you can work it in. I mean, it helps to have a good movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like back to my point about Eddie Murphy's Haunted Mansion. Um, if you that had, really bothers you, if, if, if you. If you had Norbit in the graveyard with the guy singing, that probably wouldn't have worked. Um, so I think that it has to be – they have to do a better job of making it more subtle. Yeah. And make – I think that I think the big theme overall is finding where the movie fits. It's into the land. Yeah. So any uh, closing thoughts about IPs? Any words of wisdom? And if Disney ever listens to this or anything else? (laughs) (laughs) Don't promote the Eddie Murphy movie, I guess, is the big takeaway. (laughs) Um, No, I would just... Yeah, I think that the overall theme should be find where the movies fit. Um, For example, this is just me going totally off the cuff, but Adventureland... Mm -hmm. Maybe that, because the 1930s, 1940s theme, maybe that's how you work in a little bit of Captain America. I don't, you, you know what I mean? I'm just, I, That's just me totally spitballing, but you can find things in these or movies. Wakanda could go into that. Sure. Yeah, yeah you're right. Or um, Tomorrowland could be the whole, um, you know, Star Wars is going to have its own land already. Um, but Tomorrowland could be, go back to the theming of innovation and if they really wanted, they could throw in a whole Iron Man thing mm-hmm. and make it about like technology, in, make it about technology rather than just spaceships or Ant-Man, right? Cause he's a scientist and we could have. Right. But you don't want to overdo it. And yeah. Spa- space Mountain's an example of if they turn space mountain into, um, the guardians of the galaxy fighting against Iron Man or whatever. Well, they did hyperspace mountain. That was star Wars. Right. And it, I mean, are you? What was your thought on that? Oh, I, I I really liked it, but now that there's a Star Wars land coming, I feel like it's unnecessary. Right. Um. I just, but I just think that it took away a little bit from the theming of Space Mountain. The reason you go on Space Mountain is it's a roller coaster in the dark. Yeah, yeah. Um. So that's my point: is you can make Tomorrowland really immersive with some of the Marvel stuff, maybe even some of the Star Wars stuff, although that might be overkill. Mm-hmm. But you keep Space Mountain, Space Mountain, and that's yeah. how you blend the classic with the new. Well, thank you so much for hopping on today. Do you want to give your Twitter handle or any social media? I, I don't tweet anything. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, if you want to talk to CJ or us about your thoughts about IPs, you can find us at DizExplorers.com or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at the Diz Explorers. Uh, thank you much. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next week with a full episode. Thank you. Follow our troop at www.dizexplorers.com, where you can find all the links for all our hosts' social media accounts. You can also follow the podcast on our Facebook group at The Diz Explorers and on Twitter and Instagram at The Diz Explorers. You can download this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, and also on YouTube. Thanks for listening.
had a good time. Spectral Magic.